go to Luke chapter 7. Luke 7. Just wanted to say thank you to all those that uh, this last two months have provided meals, gave us money, provided some diapers and your prayers and words of encouragement. We thank you for that. And some people have been asking me, Caleb, what is it like being a dad of three all of a sudden and uh, having a toddler and newborns? I simply reply with, imagine you're drowning. (laughs) You have a toddler in your hands and then someone hands you two babies, two more babies. And uh, so picture that. And uh, no, I do... uh, my wife spoils me. Uh, I, I thought that I was going to have to get up a lot, and I got this new early shift, and she has been letting me sleep, and I get mad at her in the morning and said, why didn't you wake me up? And then I say, thank you for not waking me up. Um, but uh, she's superwoman. She really is. She'll have Reagan on one leg walking around the house, and then she'll have a baby in one arm. She'll be cooking dinner with the other hand and uh, changing the diaper of the other baby, and somehow she doesn't get the diaper in the food or the food in the diaper, and she's doing our taxes, she's on Facebook, and she's uh, on the phone, and she does it all, and I'm sitting on the couch going, I'm tired, and uh, so I, I do thank the Lord for my wife. She's my best friend. I'm glad I get to do life with her, and she's paying me all these things to say these good things about her, and, um, but leading up to uh, when the boys were born, I would go over every night. I said, okay, what do we do if it happens tonight? And we'd go over the plan, and, and I would always, by the end of the night, I would say to, uh, during that conversation, I'm so glad God made me a man. And, uh, and I just said that the other day to someone, and they replied back with, if God gave the, the responsibility of us men to provide uh, children, the, the population would be a lot less. Uh, I'm a little bit of a wimp when it comes to pain. And uh, I tell you what, I won't go into details, but that, to me, was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, and I didn't even have the baby. I was just there. Uh, and uh, the, um, they asked me after the first one was born if I'd like to cut the umbilical cord. And uh, I said, I, uh, is it cheaper? Uh, is it cheaper if I do it? Um, and I said, no, I, I don't. I don't I was, I'm not feeling too good. Uh, I don't really feel like uh, doing minor surgery here. And then the second one came, and they asked me the same question. And I said, what, what's up with this? You guys are acting like I'm the one that's supposed to cut umbilical cords here at the hospital. And uh, I said, why don't you guys do it? I think you guys went to doctor school. Uh, I went to Bible college. They didn't teach me that uh, there. So anyways, and then after that, they hand us the baby, and they're just kind of like, uh, good luck. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, hey, uh, can't you like come live with us now and help us? Uh, why are you leaving now? And uh, But no, I, I, I'm very thankful for our sons. And and, uh, you know, then they began to explain to us, we had them in the hospital, they began to, to, to explain to us, they said, okay, number one goal with these babies, number one thing, just, it'd be best if you don't shake these babies. And uh, they said, yeah, just, I'd be, that'd be great, that'd be awesome if you just didn't shake these babies. And they kept saying it over and over again, and, uh, and uh, I said, okay, I'm not going to shake the babies. And uh, then they made me sign some certificate like I was in kindergarten that I'm not going to shake the babies. I've never heard the word shake so many times in my life. And uh, then they showed me this video, and they said that this is what this guy does when he feels like he wants to shake his baby. And he comes on and says, I go on walks. I go on long walks, and I walk about 70 miles a day. And, uh, but anyways, uh, they, they, um, and I said, okay, I, wasn't, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up. So quit, quit saying it. And... Um, so uh, anyways, we go home, and it was like, it was probably day one for me, but uh, I, was, I was very tired, and I felt like taking a video saying, it's day one, no sleep, no water, we haven't gone to the outside world in 48 hours, uh, but I, uh, I remember we were very tired, and uh, we had the babies, changed the babies, uh, they, had, you know, they had been burped, and they're crying, they've been crying for like six hours, it's like, what do we do, what do we do, and 
I said, I, th I think, Jen, I, said, I, think, uh, I think we're supposed to shake these babies or something. Uh, I said, I think, I think that's what they said. I think this would be a good time. Sounds like it'd be a good time to do it right now, but uh, we didn't shake the babies, okay? I feel like I have to say that. Don't call anybody. Didn't do that. Okay, it's cool. It's okay. We did rock them pretty hard, uh, but we did, not, we did not shake the babies, okay? All right, Luke 7, 19. Luke 7, verse 19. I got to get there, too. Bible says in John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were came unto him, they said, John Baptist have sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Let's pray before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity, God. I pray that you would just fill me with you, all of you, God, empty you of myself. God, I cannot do this without you. I just want to be a blessing. I want to be an encouragement. And God, this has been a challenge to me. And God, I pray that we would leave tonight uh, better equipped and changed uh, because of your words not my words. Lord, I ask you for your help and calm my nerves. And God, I pray that I just be able to speak clearly and that uh, we just have um, a time tonight of encouragement um, in your word. Thank you for God's people. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I am always nervous when I preach, but I'm a little extra nervous tonight because I really, honestly, my, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to be serious. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I don't want to offend anybody, honestly. I do not want to make anybody upset. And uh, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, but listen very carefully. There's a difference between maliciously offending somebody, okay, on purpose, but then offending somebody with the truth. I want to speak the truth tonight. And uh, sometimes you hear that phrase, the truth hurts. Okay, I'm not saying go up to someone and say they're ugly. And if it's the truth, and you're going to speak the truth. But uh, there's a difference, okay? And this is what we've forgotten. If we we're offended by the truth, by the word of God, that's your problem. I remember sitting next to somebody in church one time, and the preacher was preaching, and he slammed his Bible shut, and he said, it's like that preacher is preaching just to me. And I wanted to say something back very sarcastically, but I didn't, and I thought to myself, I hope every time that the word, someone gets up and opens up the Word of God, I think that he's speaking to me, because I don't ever want to think about, oh, this would be good for so-and-so. I wish this person was here. This would be good for my wife. This would be good for my husband. This would be good for my kids. i got to apply it to myself. And let me just say to you, I mean, I, I have no obligation to hurt anybody, especially if I'm speaking the truth, but it's supposed to offend you, the truth. That's how you figure out you don't got it. Conviction. It's supposed to change us. If you hear the word of God and you, and you, and you leave and you're just like, oh, that was a good message. And you, we got to look for places in our lives. We all have some rough edges that we still need to chip off and we need to uh, better ourselves for the, for, the, for the work of Christ. And I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, all you have to do in this country now is say that you're offended, and everybody backs off. And you got to be politically correct. And uh, man, I, I, you, you could just make something up. You don't have to argue your opinion. You could just say, I'm offended. And uh, I want to play that game. You know what offends me? Offended people. Offended people offend me. And if I have to endure one more Christmas where saying Merry Christmas offends somebody, okay, I'm going to puke. Then I'm going to take that puke and I'm going to put it in a box. I'm going to wrap it up 
I'm going to put a big tag on it and send it to the ACLU, and I'm going to say Merry Christmas on it. And they're going to, they're going to say tolerate this. But hey, we have, uh, we have a responsibility as Americans. We have a responsibility as Christians to speak the truth. You think about that. Some, some soldier went over and died for us, laid their life in line so we can have the opportunity to speak the truth, where we can live in freedom, and we don't speak the truth. We're, we're scared we're going to offend somebody. And um, I do understand we have to be uh, wise about it, okay? I'm not saying go around and just say whatever's on your mind. We've got to be careful about how we do it, okay? But also as Christians, I'm so scared what people are going to think about me. I'm so scared what people are going to, they're going to laugh at me, think I'm weird. Let me let you in on something. I know I'm weird. So if they think that already, I'm just going to say, hey, we're on the same page. But Christ Jesus died for me so that I can go to heaven when I die. I can have that opportunity. People who have died went to the stake so that I can have this with me, and I'm scared to share it with somebody. We've got to be careful about that. We're so scared about offending people, but if we're speaking the truth, that's their problem. It's not ours, okay? And tonight, actually, this is what I'm going to do, okay? I read those four verses, okay? I'm actually going to do something that's kind of weird. I want you actually to close your Bible. We're going to come back to those verses, but not, and you don't need to take notes. It's going to be six words tonight. My title tonight is three, two, one, go. Couldn't think of a title. There's six words, so I thought, okay, three, two, one, go. That's what we're going to do. And if you can't remember six words, that's your problem, okay? Uh, but you, I, I just want you to just pay attention. I tell the teens all the time, reach up, grab the handle, pull down, just engage yourself in the next four hours, okay? And we're going to only be four hours tonight. But I want you to just pay attention, and if you can, just, just, um, just hang on. You're going to wonder where I'm going with this, but it's all going to come to a point, Lord willing, at the end, okay? I've shared this story with many of you already, and, and I apologize for uh, being redundant, but I just want to, for those that haven't heard the story, this story actually happened. I feel like I got to say that, okay, because you think I'm telling a joke. This really happened, and uh, it's changed my life. When I was in second grade, there was a teacher by the name of Mrs. Hall, okay, and um, I don't think I've talked to her in many years, but my mom's friends with her on Facebook, so I hope she uh, doesn't share this or whatever with her, but anyway, so my second grade teacher, she was the type of teacher, I came in and I told a joke. If she laughed, it was going to be a good day. If she didn't, it was going to be a bad day. And she had three sons, so uh, she was very good at making us all scared of her. Uh, but so Tuesdays and Thursdays were the only days that we were allowed to bring a microwave item to the school to eat, okay? Tuesdays was hot dogs. Thursdays was a microwave pizza for me. Monday, Wednesday, Friday was peanut butter and jelly, and I still eat that to this day. It is the best meal. You're, you haven't truly lived until you have a peanut butter and jelly at least three times a week, okay? You got to try that. And uh, so... I bring my hot dog into uh, the cafeteria, and she puts it in the microwave. And, okay, I didn't know. I still don't know how to cook anything, okay? But she put my hot dog in for two minutes. I'm pretty sure the only thing you put in for two minutes is microwave popcorn because it's supposed to explode. You don't put a hot dog in for two minutes. Nonetheless, my hot dog exploded, but thankfully the pieces stayed on the plate, and I had a, a, a hot dog salad that day. But... There was a, there was, so she told me that I needed to poke holes in my hot dog so that it wouldn't explode. And so as a good little boy, that's what I do. I would poke holes in the hot dog so it wouldn't explode. Well, I had another classmate. Her name was Morgan. She was actually a twin. I don't remember her other sister's name. But uh, she had ravioli, and she brought it. Mrs. Hall put it in the microwave for two minutes. The thing about ravioli, when it explodes, you can't scrape that off the side of the microwave and eat it. That's just disgusting. So this girl, little girl Morgan, second grader, did not have a main course 
for that day. And she began to weep and just cry. And I started laughing. No, I didn't do that. But I, she started to cry. And uh, so the teacher comes over. I'm, get, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to hear my teacher just say, it's okay. Is there anything else I can give you? And, and, uh, but she comes up to her. And you've heard, some of you have heard me say this. She said to her, we have something in our family called G-O-I. Get over it. And walked away. And I thought, oh, I got a pen and I wrote it down. No, I didn't do that. But I thought, oh, my goodness. I can't believe she just told this second grader get over it. So I think I gave her my grapes because I didn't like grapes. I gave her my grapes so you can have my, have my portion. But nonetheless, she said, get over it. I'm going to share one more story and then I'm going to bring this together, okay? Um, my brother-in-law and his family, we went to uh, Silver Dollar City in Branson, Missouri. It's an amusement park and a lot of times throughout the summer they have uh, uh, the Go- uh, Southern Gospel Week and so we were there during that week and it was pretty nice to hear Christian music being played over the uh, uh, over the loudspeakers as we were going through the amusement park. And I was at a different part of the park that, at this time, but my brother-in-law and his family, actually his brother, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, and his two girls, they were waiting in line to go on this roller coaster. But there was this family in front of them, right in front of them, and the rest of their family was back on, because, you know, you go to a roller coaster, there's several sections you got to wait in, and then you get on the roller coaster. So they're actually moving people up from the people they don't know. Say, why don't you come cut me so I don't have to, so I can wait to go with my family. And they kept doing this. Now, you got to know my brother-in-law. He is honestly probably one of the nicest guys that I know. I know he could sarcastically slam me so hard, but he's very, he's very kind and uh, compassionate. And he was my basketball coach, and he knew what to say to get me to play and uh, he said, Caleb, you're terrible, you're awful, and uh, I'd go out there and prove him and say, no, I'm not, and I actually was, but I was just only as good as my teammates. But nonetheless, my brother-in-law is very nice, and so they're letting this go for a while, okay? So finally, uh, my brother-in-law, I believe this is how the story went, he, he kind of said to them, he says, hey, why don't you guys move back with them instead of having you have all these people cut and making everybody else wait? Wouldn't that make more sense to just go back with your family and then go together? And they were like, oh, no, no, it's going to work out. No worries. It's going to be all fine and everything. And so eventually they, they got all on there, and my, uh, that family went all together. And so as that roller coaster left, another one came on, okay? And that's how it works. As soon as that one leaves, another one's there. So my brother-in-law and his family get on, and they get on the ride. They go on their two- or three-minute roller coaster ride. You wait in line for three hours for a three-minute ride. I don't know why, but that's, that's how you do it, I guess. And so they take off, and then they get back, and that dad of that family is waiting at the, at the exit right there for my brother-in-law. And uh, my brother-in-law had already forgotten about it, honestly. It was just like, you know, whatever. And uh, the, the dad said to my brother-in-law, Joel, he said, hey, see, it all worked out, and everything's okay. And my brother-in-law, not trying to be sarcastic, but just said back, well, I just look at it, you got two options. You either get over it or you don't. And then this guy says, well, there's a third option, and he came at him like this. Okay, now, my brother-in-law, you got to know him. He did Taekwondo for seven years, and he trains with MMA fighters. Uh, I don't know about right now, but at that time, weekly, a couple times a week. So uh, I never want to make my brother-in-law mad. And, uh, but this guy was a beanpole anyway, so he could have snapped him like a twig. But nonetheless, he said there's a third option. Okay, here's, here's, here's what I'm going to bring to you, okay? Sometime, if it hasn't happened already, a family member a pastor, assistant pastor, a friend, a coworker, fill in the blank, somebody is going to offend you. Somebody is gonna make you upset. Somebody's gonna hurt you. You know what you gotta do? You gotta get over it. Say, Caleb, that's kinda harsh. I'm not saying if somebody's physically or verbally abused you in a wrong way that needs to be taken to authorities, I'm not saying just get over that. But we do need to let go of our past, so we need to get over it. 
I remember, I'm not saying this just because my dad's here, I'd say this even if he wasn't here. I remember there's some times that I wasn't the son that I was supposed to be and I smarted off or I said something I shouldn't have said and maybe provoked him to wrath. But remember there's some times where, I, and honestly I could, I could say this, I don't think there was ever a day or even more than a couple hours that went by where we both came together and we said I'm sorry and we made up because I didn't like it when my dad was upset with me. And, um, but I remember there was a time that he uh, lost his cool with me, if you will, and I probably provoked him to wrath, but he came and he apologized to me. You know what my first fleshly thought was? Why should I forgive you when you keep doing it over and over again? And then immediately the Lord said, Caleb, why should I forgive you when you hurt me every single day and you sin against me every day and I forgive you, I love you? So let me ask you this question. When someone offends you, someone gets you upset, you, they, they wrong you, why don't you just get over it? Why don't you just forgive them? But you know what we do? We hang on to it. Because you know what? Sometimes I like being mad. It's like, I'm in a bad mood. Go ahead, say something, because I want to smart off to you. I like being mad sometimes, okay? But I got to get over it. And sometimes I, I'll come home, and I'm complaining about something to my wife, and, you know, and by the time I get to the end, I say, you know what? I'm going to get over it. This is dumb. Why am, I even get, why am I getting worked up about this? I need to get over it. It's outside of my control. Number three, I guess number one, but three, get over it. Number two, stay with me here. Mom, dad, plug your ears. Number two, shut up, okay? <laughs> I wasn't allowed to say those words. Those words are you never say, but we should practice. And say, Caleb, that's kind of harsh. Okay, let me say this. People can never put words in your mouth if you don't say anything. You know what my first reaction to do is if, if, my, if something goes wrong, I wanna, I wanna say something. I wanna say something to flesh. I wanna get mad. I wanna make an excuse. But if I'm just quiet, and I, some, I, I've known people that when they get upset, they just shut down and they're quiet. I wish that was me so I could just not say anything that I'm gonna regret. But we need to practice those two words, shut up. Guess when this, and I haven't, okay, I, I honestly say this. I'm not thinking about anybody in this church per se, but I'll, I, I do think that this could probably happen. In the church that I was before, and again, I, it's all forgiven and it's all over with, but there was some people uh, and, I, and again, I am just as guilty as the next person, but there were some people going around saying some things about my family. Whether they were true or not, it hurt. It hurts when people talk about you. And uh, you know what I started to notice? I started to notice that some people that used to be friends with me or used to talk to me no longer were around me, no longer talked to me. Well, I think it's because this individual, maybe rightfully so, okay, I'm, um, it's funny when people say, well, don't you have any friends? No, I don't have any friends, uh, but only invisible friends, but... Um, but I started to notice, okay, with, uh, let me say it this way, I started to see that some teenagers used to be friends, but then all of a sudden, the parents of those teenagers didn't get along. So all of a sudden, the teenagers didn't get along. Why did that happen? Let me say it this way. My daughter, it's crazy, she listens to me when I don't want her to listen, and she doesn't listen to me when I, when I want her to listen. I have to, I, we have to start spelling things now. I'll just say something like, I'm gonna park the car, and she hears park. Park, we're gonna go park, we're gonna go down the slides. No, 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 we're just gonna park the car. So we have to start to spell things. Now she's starting to figure out spelling. So my wife has started spelling things backwards, but I was homeschooled. I cannot even spell forwards, <laughs> let alone backwards. So now we have to start to text each other, but my, my daughter knows how to use my phone, so I don't know what to do, but my daughter listens to me. You know what I'm starting to see sometimes? I think, I think sometimes we all have that one person that we can tell something to. And then that person 
has one person that they're gonna tell something to. Then that one person has another person that they have to tell them to, okay? I, I, this is what I honestly believe. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe, maybe it's all innocent, but mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, whoever it is, go home and they talk about something at the dinner table. Did you see what so-and-so was wearing? Did you see the way they sang that song? Did you hear how pastor said they did a good job but they didn't do that when I sang? Did you see how they reacted when I said something to them? Did that youth pastor, he has no idea what he's doing. You're right. Uh, but that youth pastor, he, he doesn't know. It. We go home and we talk about these things. Okay. But then the kids start hearing that. Guess what? If my mom and dad had something against you, I'm probably going to too because I love my mom and dad more than I love you, okay? Blood's thicker than water. I can honestly say I don't ever remember going home to a dinner table and hearing my mom and dad say anything negative about anybody in the church. Honestly, I can honestly say that. Maybe they went in their bedroom and they, they, they told all the negative stuff in there, but I didn't hear it. And um, I remember there was times there was teenagers that uh, I butted heads with in the youth group and I'd go home and I'd complain to my mom and dad about who, what so-and-so did and what they said to me and they would always take their side, okay? There was no sides, but they would kind of protect them and say, well, Caleb, we gotta think of the whole picture. How do they perceive this? And I always got so frustrated. Why won't you take my side? And then all of a sudden I see my mom and dad talking to the parents of the, te of the teenager that I was get not getting along with. I'm like, why are you talking to them? I'm so glad that they did that. Because you know what? I don't wanna have anything against anybody. I'm glad that nobody, honestly, has ever came and said anything negative about Pastor Shot to me. Do you know why? Because I hope they know that I'm not gonna tolerate that. I'm not gonna be a soundboard for negativity for anyone, let alone pastor's shot. But you know what, we go around and we talk. We talk things out and, okay, you know, did you hear about this? Did you? Shut up. <laughs> don't, okay, practice that. Please don't, I'm not telling you to shut up, I'm just saying we gotta tell ourselves that. I'll be complaining to my wife and again, I say, you know what, I need to get over it and I need to shut up. I need to shut up about it. I need to stop talking about it and just get over it. I honestly believe that if we would just let God, when someone comes and gossips to you, you know how to stop gossip? Let it end with you. Don't spread it. When someone starts talking about someone else, and no one's done this, but I want to, someone some come gossip to me about someone because I want to do this. You know what I want to do? I want to say, that's very good. Let's go talk to that person right now and let's go talk about what you just said to them. Hey, does anyone know what this person thought of you? Okay, let's work this out. But you know what we do? We, we tell that one person and we have something against them and all of a sudden our kids aren't getting along and all of a sudden, our, our, the kids start to get over it. Shut up. Be quiet. Three, two, one. Three, get over it. Two, shut up. One, serve. Serve. I can only illustrate some things with, with sports illustrations, so I'm sorry. Here comes another one. My very last organized basketball game that I was ever going to play because I knew I was going to a college that didn't have a team. They played intramurals, but these are the guys that I played with since I was in seventh grade. This is, a, we were at a basketball tournament, and I did not know they had this rule at the tournament. This is how dumb that I was with basketball. I just, was just, I just liked playing. I didn't realize that if you bounce the ball over your head after a whistle, it's an automatic technical, even if you didn't mean to or not. And so the whistle was blown. I bounced the ball into the hoop. It went in. I was just trying to be cool, hand the ball to the ref, and he does, he's not taking the ball, and he gives me a technical foul. I didn't know this. Then they come up to me and says, we have a new rule at this tournament. You get one technical, you get to sit out the rest of the game. I said, this is the last game I'll ever play. This is the championship game. Is there no exception? No, no exceptions. I had to sit out, that was the first quarter. I had to sit out the rest of the game and watch my team 
win the championship game. Now, I played several games leading up to that to get us in that spot. But you know what? That trophy didn't mean as much to me, really. And uh, I remember this to this day, and my wife's going to deny it. But they actually, and again, this, you gotta, you got to remember, this is homeschoolers, okay? We didn't know how to play basketball. But they gave me the MVP out of the tournament. There was over 200 players there. And my wife, uh, we weren't dating at the time, and we weren't allowed to talk. We weren't even allowed to blink in this other's direction. But... <laughs> She said, she said in a group conversation, how do you get MVP when you don't even play in the championship game? Ugh. You know what? She should have shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I got to get over it. I got to get over it. But you know what? It didn't mean as much to me. You know what? I get nervous when people start to pull out of things in the church. Oh, they used to do this in the church. They used to do this, and I'm going to start pulling out of these things. And don't get me wrong, if you're hurt, I've been there before. Sometimes you just got to sit there and heal. But don't sit out too long. It killed me to see that championship trophy that I didn't get to play in the championship game. If you're not serving and helping the work of God, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, when someone gets saved, it's not going to be exciting to you. When someone gets baptized, it's not going to be as exciting to you. When something here happens, someone gives a testimony of somehow God's changed their lives, you're just sitting there on the bench, I don't I have nothing to do with this. I'm just here. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that you're here. But you know what? If we jump into this thing and we serve, we're going to shut up. Do you know if we serve and we shut up, we're going to get over it? Three, two, one, go. Okay, where are you going with this? I got... Um, I want to explain something to you real quick here. Go back to that. Open your Bibles again. Go to Luke, Luke 7. We're going to look at these verses one more time here. Luke 7, verse 19. We'll read them again. It says, And John, calling unto him, this is John the Baptist, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Hey, he's saying right here, this is the cousin of Jesus Christ who walked with him, who talked with him, who saw all the miracles that he had done. And he's saying, because he's in prison now at the end of his life, are you really the one? Did I really live my life like I should have? Look at the next verse, verse 20. When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way and tell John the things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. Listen to me now. I don't think, maybe some of you, I know you know this, but let me just repeat it to you. Some of you, where you go in your daily life, you might be the only light of Jesus Christ that people will see. I just got a, a new job and um, loving it. It's a dream job, I'm loving it. And uh, I was telling some people that, uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna let that go, but okay, I'm not gonna say that. But nonetheless, when I first came into the, the job, they're asking some questions about me, and uh, I told them that I was a youth pastor at the church, and oh no, the youth pastor's here, and, and uh, a lot of cuss words flying constantly. And um, one of them said to me, uh, before, this was before they knew that I was a Christian, and they said, hey, you know, you just gotta be careful what supervisors you cuss around. Some aren't okay with it. I said, that's no problem. I'm a born-again Christian. I don't cuss. You don't cuss? I said, no, I can't. I just choose not to cuss. 
And uh, you know what's crazy? This last week, someone started to cuss and they stopped. And I said, I'm sorry, Caleb. I don't want to do that around you. I never asked them to. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just saying they're seeing that there's a little bit of a difference, okay? Let me illustrate it this way, okay? Let me get back to my notes because I'm going I'm to mess this up here. In this world where we're at right now, lives need to be changed. Families need to be healed. There's a lot of broken families out there. Souls need to be saved. Relationships need to be mended. That's the world. But you know a lot of times, that's the church. The church is not a museum, okay? We're not a bunch of show people, although sometimes we, we try to do that. We put our best on for Sunday and we put on a good face. But we're also, we are actually a hospital and we want people to come in that are broken. But what if... Someone comes in and they see people not getting along. They see people that don't get over tiny things, okay? They see people going around gossiping about. That's stuff that they already know outside of this church. That already happens in their own families. That already happens in their everyday lives. One of the persons at my work, they said, you know, I gave church up a long time ago because it seemed like there was a lot of double standards and hypocrites. I said, you're right, it happens. I said, if I'm not careful, I could do the same thing. I try not to. I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person. But these, the world, they're looking to find out if what we have is real or not. Hey, go check on Jesus. Make sure that he is the one that we're supposed to look for, or should we look for another? You know that phrase, action speaks louder than words? That's happening right here. Jesus didn't even answer them when he asked them. He just was performing miracles. Hey, if that doesn't speak for itself... It's what he was, how he was living. Your life, the way you live, the way you carry yourself, your testimony, is more important than anything that you could ever say, more important than anybody could ever get up and preach. Your life, they want to see if it's real or not. It's important that our witness, it's important that our picture that we're portraying of Jesus Christ is different from what the world has. It's got to be unlike something they already have. If our faith is as helpless and hopeless as the rest of the world's faith, then what do we really have to offer them? I'm going to ask you this question, and the teens are probably realizing some of this as a review. What do people see when they come to HBC? What do people see when they come to HBC? Do they find lives being changed? Do they find help? Do they find healing? Do they find people struggling to get along? Do they find people that are self-centered? Will they find more imprisonment? Because out there right now, they're living paycheck paycheck spiritually. They, they're trying to figure out what is going to get me to the next thing. What's the next exciting event that's going to help me get through this? And then they spend all that and they say, what's the next thing? Well, Jesus Christ is the next thing. Jesus Christ is the best thing. That's what they need. But we're not, we're not, doing, we're not doing as good as we should. And, I, and I'm not trying to just say that because if we're really honest, we can always say we could do a little bit better than what we can do. Because if what we have is not different from what they already have out there, they're not going to stay very long. You know why sometimes I believe we can't keep people in church? And I told the people at work, I said, going to church doesn't get you to heaven. It's just coming and getting encouraged and being around God's people. You're getting beat up by the world all week long, and you come back, and you're just getting refreshed and encouragement. Going to church isn't going to get you to heaven. But you know what? I bet you if we took a little break from church, and please don't do that, I bet you get beat up a lot quicker, you get weary a lot, and then you're just gonna end up going with the flow. We need to come back, and we need to get back in the house of God. What does this world need? They need Jesus. Hey, you might be the only Jesus that some people see. 
They need love. You might be the only love of Christ, the only love of God that people will see. They need something that could put their families, that could put their lives back together. They need something that can help and heal them. If I can, I'm gonna close with this illustration, we're gonna be done. If I can ask, um, they didn't know I was gonna do this, if I can ask Dominic and Daniel to help me with this, I'm going the wrong way, I put it up here. They can help me with this. Should've got a lighter, maybe shorter rope with this, and um, they're gonna help me with this. Oh, here we go. If you guys can take this, hopefully it's not tangled, if it is, it's okay. Let's see, I'm gonna do this, ready, one, two. Oh, okay, go find the end and just start pulling. Go, someone grab the middle. I'm gonna go this way, okay? Now, imagine this rope. Daniel's got the end there, but imagine this rope just goes on forever and ever and ever. It doesn't end, okay? Just imagine that with me. Keep going, Can just go all the way around. Uh, Dominic, I don't know if you need to go help him over there with that corner, but just keep going. Keep going as far as you can and help him. And uh, let's see, James, you wanna hop up here and help him as well? They need a little direction if you can, James. Okay. So imagine this rope goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, okay? It's going all the way back there. We could go out of, the house, out of the church house with this one. This is our life, all of eternity. You're gonna spend eternity somewhere, whether it's heaven or hell. Again, not trying to offend you. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. That's not Caleb's words. That is what the Bible says. You know what? This part right here, this green part, that represents our lives here on the earth. This is what we're, where we're at right now, okay? And sometimes the world, the world wants us to get focused on our past. They want you to just keep looking into the past. And uh, that's okay, guys. That's the, I think they get the point. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I don't want them to strain themselves yet. But um, this it goes on forever and ever. And you know, sometimes we, the world wants us to look into our past. They want us to hang on. And guess what? If you look into your past, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get depressed, okay? But you know what? Sometimes we live for this right here. We say, if I just work really hard right here, save this money, then I'm gonna have a really good life right here in this little spot right here. And we forget about all of this for all of eternity. You know what? I, um, I can't say that I'm, I'm perfect, but I try to, every decision I make, realize that every decision I make is gonna bring regret or it's gonna bring reward on the day that I see Jesus Christ. Let's say someone gives you an extra $1,000. You guys, you can be seated. You can leave the rope there. Let's say someone gives you an extra $1,000. You buy a lot of things with $1,000. And um, buy a lot of formula and diapers with $1,000. But yeah, you could buy a lot with $1,000. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta think about how you spend that $1,000. Is it going to bring regret or reward? And I will be the first one to say that I have bought many things that I've regretted. I wasted my money on some things. I guess that's part of growing up. And uh, now, now I just spend the money before I can't make a bad decision, but no, I'm just kidding. But I, is it gonna bring reward or is it gonna bring regret? And I just want to give you that picture of this spot right here. So many times we get so focused on living just for this, we forget about all of eternity, all the way around. If you picture this just going on and on. Hey, I'm so glad I watched 7,000 movies on Netflix. Think about all that time that we've wasted. Now, don't get me wrong. I like sitting down and just relaxing sometimes, but think about all that time that we've wasted. Hey, not trying to be mean, just trying to speak the truth. We make time for what's important to us. You know what? I've said it many times to teenagers. If I knew I was going to Disneyland at two o'clock in the morning, the first time that alarm goes up, off, I'm up. 
But if I'm going to work at that early in the morning, mm-mm, that alarm, that alarm gets snoozed a couple times, okay? And uh, sometimes I even just set an alarm to realize I can go back to sleep for two more hours. Uh, but uh, what are you going to do with your life? Are you just going to live for this spot right here? Or are you going to try to live for all of this? And that's easier to said than done, don't get me wrong, but we need to keep things in perspective. And I want to just ask you that question of how are you living your life for all of eternity? What do people see when they look at you? Do they see love? Do they see hope? Or do they see the opposite? Do they see hate? Do they see Christians not getting along? You know what would be great? Revival's coming up. You know what would be great if we, uh, before revival came, if there was, and again, I can honestly say this, I'm not thinking of anybody in this room, but if there's somebody that has something against somebody in this room, that's something they've said to you, something that maybe they've done, maybe something they didn't say to you, maybe something that uh, was just an accident, maybe you think it was on purpose, maybe something they keep doing over and over again. I remember one time I went up to a family and I said, I'm sorry, hoping they would say sorry in return, and they didn't, and I walked away kind of upset. That was the wrong attitude. But you know what? There's many times I've gone up to someone and say, I'm just, I feel like I've offended you. Uh, I've done that recently. I felt like something was wrong. I just want to make sure everything's okay because I don't want anything to be wrong in between us. Sometimes Christians can be some of the harshest people. Sometimes you'll find non-believers that are nicer than Christians. That's terrible to say, but that happens. Because sometimes we'd be so quick to judge and say, look what that person's wearing. Look how they sang that song. Look, they, they, uh, they relate to church again. Uh, just think about, I mean, fill in the blank. But we, have, we were so quick to just say, well, if I was in charge, this is the way I would do it. And, uh, you know, get over it. Shut up. Serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would just... Uh, moving hearts, and God, I pray that maybe I could just be an encouragement to one person. God, I pray maybe just the illustration of maybe we're living for that little tiny spot on the rope, but we have all of eternity ahead of us. God, I pray that you would just bless this time at this time and um, be with pastors. He's away. God, I pray you uh, have um, Pastor uh, Parmar and Pastor Schott and their wives just travel mercies and a good time together. And God, I pray you bring us safely back to your house on Wednesday. Lord, ask these things in your name, amen. Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm gonna actually try to do something a little bit different tonight. Before he hits play on that song, I'm gonna play a song over the loudspeaker of just a song that the song basically says, when the world looks at you, what do they see? And if the Lord's spoken to your heart, I invite you to come when he hits play. But if you're not, just, just, just listen to the words of that song and we're gonna play it through once or twice. But uh, go ahead and hit play on that, Dustin. The Lord spoke to you at this time. You can come forth. I want my life to be a light for those around me. I want my life to be that roadmap that says home. I want my life to be. A beacon on life's raging sea I want the world to see Jesus When they look at me When the world looks at me Do they see Jesus? When the world looks at me What do they see? See
When I spoke, did my words contain your wisdom, Lord? When I prayed, did my prayers contain your love? And did my life reflect the glory of your spirit? Did I show the ones around me they were What do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see charity? When the world looks at you, what do they see? Oh, when the world looks at me, what do they see?